Welcome to the Athens First United Methodist Church Sermons Podcast. I'm Kayla Thomason, a member of the communications team. We hope you enjoy this weekly resource. Well, good morning, Athens First United Methodist Church. It is so good to be with you in worship on this beautiful third Sunday of the month of August. And to be sure, it is a day of celebration here at Athens First. We're celebrating new babies. We're celebrating new grandparents. But we are especially celebrating the fact that we have a new director of music at Athens First. We want to welcome Ryan Ferguson officially. And his wife, Alejandra, they, uh, they moved down here this past week from Annapolis, Maryland, uh, moved to Athens, so excited to be here. And we are grateful to start this new chapter of life uh, in ministry with them uh, this week. I do want to say, too, just a word of, of gratitude this morning uh, to Miss Janice Maxwell, uh, who, yeah, she, um, gosh. She, uh, she, she filled in uh, so wonderfully uh, during these months while we were completing our search, and we are so grateful for all the ways uh, that she has led our, our music ministry uh, up to today and, uh, and in the future with our, our Wesleyan Youth Choir. This morning we're in week five. It's really the fifth and final week of our current ser- series on the four Gospels. Uh, what we've been doing over these five weeks together is we've been looking each week at a different gospel. We've been looking at Matthew and Mark, Luke and John. We've been comparing, we've been contrasting, we've been looking at what's unique about each gospel. Uh, but most of all, we've been asking the question, what unique perspective does each gospel offer to us? What is it about each gospel that gives us new insight into what makes the good news of Jesus Christ so very, very good. Well, this morning, I want us to look at one final gospel, and I assure you this isn't some kind of extra-biblical gospel that you can find on a bookshelf somewhere. Uh, You you can't turn to the Apocrypha and find it there or anything like that. No, No, this is a unique gospel to each and every one of you. Uh, This morning, I want us to talk about the gospel according to you. And to do that, I want us to look at a a passage of Scripture that is very, very short, but is probably very, very familiar to most of you. Uh, We're going to be reading Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 14. Hear these words of Jesus. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket but on the lampstand, and it gives life, light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. So back when I was in the sixth grade, um, I had a teacher who had like, the most Italian name ever. Uh, His name was Mr. Revaruzzi. And uh, every day, Mr. Revaruzzi, whenever we would come into class, he had waiting for us what he called his daily brain teasers. Um, It was essentially a a sheet of paper that had four or five riddle-like questions on it, and he had us complete them during homeroom. Now, Now, these were not 
assignments that ever needed to be turned in. Uh, this wasn't something that he tried to grade us on. No, this was something that Mr. Reveruzzi said, I'm just trying to wake you up. I just want to turn your brains on and get you going for the day. Now, obviously, all these years later, I can't remember all of the questions that he would ask on these brain teaser uh, sheets of paper. Uh, but there are a few that I can remember him asking us. For instance, uh, one of the questions he asked us was, uh, what can travel all around the world and yet stay in a corner? And I can remember racking my brain, racking my brain, racking my brain until I finally realized the answer is a stamp. That was one of the questions he would ask. Another question that he would ask was something like, um, uh, what is something that's harder to catch the faster you run? I don't know that I got this one right, but the answer was your breath. Perhaps the most memorable question that he asked, though, was what is something that the more you take, the more you leave behind? And I remember my sixth grade self was absolutely convinced that I had figured out the right answer. I thought it was toilet paper. Um, but as it turns out, uh, according to Mr. Reveruzzi, he said that real answer is actually footsteps. Now, the reason I mentioned that to you this morning is because I loved going in to homeroom every day and completing these brain teasers. I've always enjoyed that kind of thing that just kind of makes you scratch your head a little bit. I love questions that make you think. Well, one day, my family and I went to, to church. Um, I, same year, same grade. It was Sunday morning. We go into church. And I remember I, I stumbled on a different kind of brain teaser that morning. Uh, because I was in Sunday school, and I had brought my Bible with me. And so um, I'm sitting there at the table, and I'm kind of just flipping through, looking at different verses. When I stumbled upon a verse from John chapter 8, in which Jesus is speaking... And in that verse, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And I remember thinking, okay, great. Jesus is the light of the world. That's, that's helpful information. I'll try to remember that. Wonderful. But then I flipped over to the passage that we read this morning in Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus is speaking again, only this time he says, and you are the light of the world. And I remember thinking, wait, what? Wait a second, how, how can that be? Because I literally just read in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Now over here in Matthew, he's saying, you are the light of the world. So which one is it? Is Jesus the light of the world? Or are we the light of the world? To say the least, I was very confused by this. Uh, so that afternoon, I decided to go to the one person that I always considered to be the wisest, most biblically astute person in my life. I went to my grandfather. Uh, because my grandfather was a retired minister who had served in churches for some 50 years. And, and I knew that my grandfather would have the answer. So I go over to his house, and I bring my Bible, and I show him what I had discovered that, mo that morning. I said, Grandpa, I found something that's strange. It's odd. I can't figure it out. What do you make of this? And I said, in, in, in John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But then in Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. So which one is it? Is the light of the world us? Or is the light of the world Jesus? 
And I remember this wry smile crossed his face, and he simply said, yes. <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, this is so sad. Grandpa has officially become senile. This is just a sad day for our family. So I decided to ask him the question again, only this time a little bit slower. I said, no, Grandpa. No, this is an either-or question, okay? It's got to be one or the other. So which one is it? Is Jesus the light of the world, or are we the light of the world? And again, he just smiled and he said, yup. And in that moment, I remember thinking, I hope I never become a minister, because this Bible stuff is really, really confusing. But then he said something that was actually really helpful. He said, now, Jeremy, one of the things you've got to remember is that light is not something that we actually see. We actually only see that which light lights up. So, for instance, your Bible. You brought your Bible. Well, the reason we can see your Bible in front of us is because there is a source of light that is illuminating it. And what happens is the light reflects off of the Bible, and it goes into your eyes, and then into your brain, where it processes, and you think, oh, I know what that is. It's a Bible. He said, well, it's the same thing with what Jesus said. In John chapter 8, when he says, I am the light of the world, he was right. Because you see, Jesus is the ultimate source of the best kind of light. It's a divine light of grace and love and goodness and truth. It's the kind of light that the Gospel of John was talking about when he said, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But then in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus says, and you are the light of the world, that's correct too. Because what Jesus is saying to us is not that somehow we are our own source of light. We, we don't just nat naturally radiate things like love and grace and goodness and truth. But rather, we're a reflection of his light. That when we live out our faith every single day, when we try to be more like Jesus, that's what the world sees. And so, it, is Jesus the light of the world? Yeah. And are we the light of the world? Yes. Because we, through our faith in him, are a reflection of his light. I remember when he said that to me, it made all the sense in the world if, but only for one really odd reason. And that's because when I was growing up, uh, my little brother Adam had on his ceiling these little plastic glow-in-the-dark stars. Um, I don't know if they make these anymore. I don't know if they, they, anyone uses these anymore. But I can assure you that in the 80s and 90s, these were so cool. Now, obviously, there's nothing special about these plastic glow-in-the-dark stars. They, they, they don't have, like, a battery or switch anywhere. Uh, they don't radiate all by themselves. No, they're just plastic. And left by themselves, they will always be just plastic. But when they're exposed to the light, they shine. In fact, they literally glow 
all night long. And ultimately what we discovered is that the place where these little plastic stars shine most brightly is in the darkness. You know, during the day, if you expose them to the light, you can see them kind of. But at night, it's a totally different story. When the lights have finally gone out and the room gets really, really dark, these little stars could light up the entire room and you could see them as clear as day. Now call me crazy, but I think Jesus is saying the exact same thing to you and me in Matthew chapter 5. Because what he's saying to us is this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. And so therefore, what I want you to do with your light is not hide it. I don't want you to extinguish it. I don't want you to try to hide it under a bowl. No. No, I want you to let your light shine. Because like the plastic glow-in-the-dark stars on my brother's ceiling, the best place for us to shine is in the darkness. And I think we can all agree there's a lot of darkness in our world these days, right? I mean, when you look at what's happening over in the Ukraine, every time you turn on the TV, open up your news app on your phone, what do you see? These, these heartbreaking stories, whether it's from Buffalo or Uvalde or, or from Highland Park at a, at a parade on the 4th of July of all things. I mean, when you think about all the stuff that's going on with politics in our country, just the, the ugliness and the divisiveness, it's just so dark. We even see darkness right here in our very own community. Because as great as, as Athens is, as desirable as it is as a place to live, you cannot help but look around and notice that there is brokenness and pain and hurt. Believe me when I say it, it does not take long for us to look around these days and to realize that we are surrounded by a world in darkness. And so what Jesus says to us is, that's why I need you to be the light. I need you to be the kind of person that glows in the dark. I need you to be the kind of person that shines. And the way that we do that, of course, is not under our own power. It's not because we're able to do anything inherently good. No, it's because we're a reflection of Jesus' light. It's by doing the things that Jesus did. It's by living the life that Jesus lived. We are called to be people of inexhaustible grace. We are called to be the kind of people that are loving and compassionate and servant-hearted. That's what it means to shine our light in the world. And of course, the reason we do it, the reason we are called to be a light in this dark world isn't so that somehow we might receive accolades. It's not so that everyone will recognize us or we somehow get some religious gold star that makes us feel better. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. No, according to the great C.S. Lewis, we shine not so that others can see us. No, we shine so that through us, 
Others might see him. We are called to be people of the light. We are called to shine our light in a dark, dark world. And I hope you realize that when I say that to you, I'm not trying to insinuate that it needs to be in these big, grandiose ways. I don't want you to think that, that, that in hearing Jesus calling upon our life that it somehow means that we have to go and, you know, like solve all the world's problems, you know, that everything relies on us. No, if there's anything I've discovered in life, it's that sometimes it's the smallest things we do that can make the biggest difference. For instance, I would imagine a lot of us here this morning uh, saw the story that came out of Waco, Texas, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it all happened at the uh, Little League World Series Southwest Regional Championship game. Uh, it was Oklahoma versus Texas East, and uh, there was a lot on the line for this game because the winner of this game would move on to Williamsport, Pennsylvania for the national tournament for the Little League World Series. So it was the bottom of the first inning. Oklahoma is up to bat. Texas East has their pitcher on the mound. His name is Caden Shelton. And Caden winds up to, to release a pitch, only his pitch got away from him. And it hit the batter right in the head. Now, if you were watching, you know that this was a really scary moment because it hit, hits him in the helmet. He falls to the dirt. He's holding his head. Everyone holds their breath. And it looked like things could be really, really bad. But the good news is, in a, in a matter of moments, he got back up, brushed himself off, and he ran down to first base. So the batter, his name was Isaiah Jarvis, he's standing on first base, he's fine. The pitcher on the pitcher's mound, Caden, was anything but fine. Because as the cameras zoomed in on him, you could see that there were tears starting to roll down his face. And he was visibly shaken by what happened, which of course makes all the sense in the world because this kid just, just threw a pitch that hit someone in the head. I mean, that's scary stuff. That could have been permanent damage. And so he's very shaken by this. Isaiah's over on first base. What's going to happen? Well, I will tell you that what happened in the next moment is one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Because here's Isaiah, he's standing on first base, here's Caden, he's all broken up on the pitcher's mound. And Isaiah proceeds to leave first base, which you're not allowed to do. But he leaves first base, walks over to the pitcher's mound, wraps his arms around the opposing pitcher, and he lets him know that he's okay. Now think about this for a second. Lord knows these kids have watched Major League Baseball before. <laughs> they know how this is supposed to go. I mean, they've watched their big league heroes react to a, to a pitch to the head before. I mean, if anything, there should have been a lot of anger involved. If anything, there should have been uh, the batter is charging the mound and the bench is clear and there's an all-out brawl on the field. I mean... If these kids were going to be anything like the major league professionals, there should have been a whole lot of spite and anger involved, but instead it was just the opposite. It was the most beautiful picture of grace and compassion and 
kindness. Since this was a, a nationally televised game on ESPN, it's not a surprise that this, this moment went viral almost immediately. I mean, it was all over social media. There were all kinds of news media outlets that picked it up. And so after the game, uh, there were a bunch of reporters that wanted to interview uh, both teams and certainly both of the kids involved with this, this hug. And so one of the reporters went up to Isaiah, the batter who got hit and who went up to the pitcher and hugged him. And the question was this, so what on earth was going through your mind that made you go hug the opposing pitcher? I mean, why would you leave first base and go to the, to the person on the other team who you're trying to, to battle for a spot in the World Series in Pennsylvania? Why would you go and give him a hug? And this is what Isaiah said, and I quote, I don't know. I mean, I guess I was just trying to go out there and spread God's love and to make sure that he was okay and that I was okay and to let him know that we were going to be okay. Listen, there's a lot of ways you could describe what Isaiah did that afternoon. I mean, you could call it good sportsmanship. You could say, oh, it was an honorable gesture. Well done. You know what I would say? I would say that that batter from Oklahoma, Isaiah Jarvis, went out to that pitcher's mound and he let his light shine for all the world to see. Because you see, that, that's what that means, to shine our light. It means that in everything we do, we would try to live just like Jesus. That in everything we do, we would try to love just like Jesus. I remember my grandfather always used to say to me, Jeremy, we got to shine our light. We have to remember to always shine our light because you see, you never know if your life might be the only sermon someone ever hears. It might be the only Bible someone reads. And the only good news that someone may ever have shared with them may be the gospel according to you. So maybe the reminder for us this morning is simply this. We live in a world that is full of darkness. But you are the light of the world. And therefore, your job is to go from this place and to spread God's love to see if the world is okay and if you're okay, and to let them know that because we serve a God of hope, we're all going to be okay. In other words, your job is to let your light shine. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC.